What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by it's your boy Bo, and it's your boy Joey, and of course, the Joe Boy Brady. And we are here today to talk about a large comic series that I believe we are calling The Dark Rain. So, I'm really excited to get this going. But of course, as always, how are you guys doing this week? Doing wonderful as always. Thank you, Brady. How are you doing? I am doing superb. I will say that um, usually when I pop on this podcast at, you know, Saturday morning and I start talking about the comics, I'm like, yeah, that was good. That was great. But this this week's different. I'll do a little spoiler. I really, really enjoyed the reading. I'm excited to talk about it. How about you, Bo? I am also doing great. Uh, about to pay for my coffee, so about to do a lot better. Uh, but I I concur. I also really, really enjoyed this reading. It was a little different than what we normally do. Uh, there was a lot of reading included this time. So kind of a mix in between what we've been currently reading and, and kind of the longer list of combined readings we did when we first started off the pod. But yeah, right up my alley. I, I also really enjoyed it. I do think we need to go into a quick special of... Where's Bo's coffee from? Bo, could you please enlighten us on where your coffee is from this week? Starbucks. I'm uh, supporting the, the, the corporate chain of Starbucks. I was craving myself an ice caramel macchiato, and that is what I'm going to get. You seemed so disappointed to admit that you were drinking Starbucks. Well, it was just kind of like the drum roll, please, and then like basic bitch answer like i wish i would have had something cool like i'm at this uh local combined coffee and comic shop uh here with guest speaker dan slot but no i'm, I'm just in a starbucks drive-thru <laughs> but um yeah going back to the this week's reading like you guys mentioned this was a, a little bit different in that this i don't think was necessarily one story rather just like a couple different stories that we read that all were happening around the same time which was kind of interesting yeah i think for me you know uh it's been said on this podcast but finally getting deadpool into some readings uh spoilers for what we're about to to come up with of what what readings we need to do but finally getting deadpool into some readings was like a highlight of of the the readings that we've done so far for me so it's been really cool to see even more crossovers and different things happening and a whole different schema and a new big bad and it's been it's been a good read so without giving away too many details i do just want to tease like we read basically four different stories here we've got the new avengers the dark avengers the mighty avengers and then the deadpool thunderbolts crossover um I have a feeling I know the answer here for you, at least, Brady, but which which of those four stories was the one that drew your interest the most coming in, and which one did you enjoy reading more? So I'll start, and I'll say, for me, obviously, Deadpool. When I saw Deadpool on the reading list, I went, oh, boy, clapped the hands together, rubbed them. I said, let's go. Um, surprisingly, though, which is, you know, it's 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 crazy to uh for me to say this but surprisingly though deadpool was up there and it was so freaking good but i think the dark avengers run um maybe mixed in with the new avengers run was my favorite i too also start by saying i'll go first when a question is directly asked to me <laughs> 
but I like your answer, Brady. I'll go second, even though it wasn't asked to me. And um, I will say I was probably I've read um, the Dark Avengers before. That was the only run I've read before. So I went into it thinking that that was going to be my favorite because I remember really, really enjoying it. Um, going back and rereading this time around, and I read after I had read the new Avengers. New Avengers takes the cake for me. Uh, that was a run that I kind of stopped just shy of this Dark Reign event. Uh, but I'd read a lot of it prior, like through Secret Invasion and things like that. Um, but that was definitely my favorite, kind of like mainline run. The Dark Avengers was was cool. Um, the story just didn't grab me as much. The characters, however, are, are awesome. But I really enjoyed everything happening in that new Avengers one the most. I, I what about you, Joey? Not. You go third. Yeah, yeah well, uh, he said both of us, so... <laughs> Allow me to go first, um, and I will say that <laughs> I think coming in, the one I was looking forward to reading the most was the Dark Avengers run, but I also landed on Bo's camp, where I, I really enjoyed the new Avengers. Um, the Dark Avengers just didn't grip me as, as much as I thought it would, but uh, the new Avengers, maybe it was just because we got so much of it. I mean, I think, what did we read, like 11 new Avengers uh, issues here? And and only six Dark Avengers ones, and and I think six Mighty Avengers as well. But yeah, so should we jump right into it, or anything else you guys want to mention before we we start getting into the meat of the episode? Um, yeah, I would like to uh to to just put a disclaimer out there and say, if you guys would like to read along with uh, the reading today, this is going to be a bit of a mouthful, but please pause right now and go read. New Avengers 48, Thunderbolts 126, 127, New Avengers 49, Dark Avengers 1, Thunderbolts 128, 129, Deadpool 6, 7, Deadpool 8, Thunderbolts 130, Deadpool 9, Thunderbolts 131, Dark Avengers 2 through 4, Mighty Avengers 21, 23, Mighty Avengers 24 to 26, New Avengers 50 to 54, Dark Avengers 5 through 6, Deadpool 10 through 12, and New Avengers 55. Enjoy all the readings of the fun. Or if you want to make your life a little bit easier, you can just kind of stick to the individual titles. Um, they, while they are happening concurrently and things do cross over from one to the other, I think you can feel safe reading these as individual stories. Um, if you want to do New Avengers 48 through 55, and then you know Dark Avengers 1 through 6, and then Mighty Avengers 21 through 26. But if you would like to play along with the hosts, stick to Brady's order, because that's the correct order. Well, I will say, <laughs> I, I did it reading by titles. And uh, I kind of did it on purpose just to see, because every time I see a reading order, I always get a little mad. Because I'm like, oh, I don't want to jump back and forth. I'm like a completionist in everything. So I wanted <laughs> to read that story to it, its entirety as far as like what's involved. And then go back and kind of fill in the gaps there. And I was I was pleasantly surprised by kind of how each story had those tie-ins. And it was almost like flashback-like because you've already read it in another series. Uh, but really kind of had its own story that was driving it. So you could read it separately. So I, I did read the I read uh, New Avengers, then Dark Avengers, then Mighty Avengers, and then our Deadpool Thunderbolts tie-in. And uh, I, I thought that that worked pretty well. I think that might be my preferred method. So if you want to read along how the host did... Do it however you want. Yeah, I, I will say, I will say, I on the other hand, Bo, prefer the complete other way. I really enjoyed like reading parts of it 
and then going and catching the the story like not too far back from where you you left off with the other, and then going back and maybe maybe catching like a story back like oh I remember oh I remember that oh and then get, getting that like aha moment every time you switch and connecting the dots and I don't know I I found it interesting the other way. Not saying any ways wrong though. Yeah, I, th- I do think both of them have their advantages and disadvantages. I, I think the way Brady and I did it allows us to kind of keep tabs on you know, where in the story we are at any given time because you know we're reading kind of the actual flow of, of events happening. Um, but it, it does have a bit of a repetitive nature to it. Like Bo mentioned, you know, there's these things that we get like flashbacks to where when we're reading in this actual order, I read like the same scene it seemed in three straight comic books. Like, <laughs> and it was just so repetitive, but no, 100% that, uh, both kind of, and I, I won't tell specifically cause you're about to do your recap, but like basically the, the news or the media presentations, mm-hmm. um, each of those was almost like directly scripted the exact same way. So like going back, it's like, okay, I've already read all this and now I'm seeing it from this POV. Uh, but yeah, if I read those like three issues and that was in each of those three issues, that would have been a lot of the same words. Yeah. It reminded me of the the movie. I think it was called Vantage Point that came out like 10, 15 years ago. That was basically, it was like 10 minutes of a movie told from eight different people's perspectives. So you just got the same 10 minutes over and over and over and over. Uh, but anyways, I digress. So the order that we're going to be discussing these comics in, we are going to go title by title rather than you know issue by issue through this entire list. So we're going to start with the New Avengers, which was, like we said earlier, Bo and I's um, favorite uh, of the runs here but i'll give a quick summary of new avengers if you would like to read along please pause now and go read all of those issues all right in the wake of the scroll invasion norman osborne has taken control of the avengers in the now defunct shield that is actually going as hammer now um, those that never registered after the Civil War and still want to fight on the side of good and, and you know, fight the good fight, they assemble under the New Avengers, which includes Bucky Cap, um, Wolverine, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Spidey, Iron Fist, and Ronan, as well as Ronan's wife, Mockingbird. Um, and I believe Ms. Marvel is in there as well. The group's first order of business is tracking down Skrull Jarvis, who took Luke and Jessica's child back at the end of Secret Invasion. We mentioned a few weeks ago that we never got a resolution to that story. We get that here. Um, With help from Norman Osborn, actually, and and Norman's Thunderbolts, Luke Cage tracks down the child, but he reneges on the deal that he made with Norman Osborn and, and leaves Norman furious. The group learns of Norman's new team of Dark Avengers and realizes that it is actually a crew of murderous psychopaths, and they decide they must stop them from being in power. Um, the, the group sends Jessica Drew to Dark Avengers headquarters to ask Norman for a job in the hopes that Norman would then you know, have Jessica followed back to where the new Avengers are assembled so that they can essentially do battle with this new group. Um, instead... Norman kind of double crosses everyone and sends the hood in his giant criminal enterprise after the new Avengers. And we get a giant battle between the hoods group and our new group of Avengers here. Um, and, and as 
our group recovers from this fight, Ronan decides to go on national TV uh, on, on the news and calls out Norman Osborne's criminal past and his group of psychopaths that he is working with. Um, Dr. Strange, meanwhile, is dealing with the loss of the Sorcerer Supreme title, and he's in the search for his replacement. He's looking for the next Sorcerer Supreme. He uh, confronts Wiccan on the streets of, of New Jersey, uh, who is in the Young Avengers. Um, and, and while he's talking to Wiccan, suddenly the Hood shows up to do battle with Doctor Strange. And we learn that the Hood is actually um, inhabited by Dormammu. The Hood he is wearing is uh, is basically containing Dormammu, the leader of the Dark Dimension. Um, and at New Avengers headquarters, the uh, the group is um, you know sitting around the table talking, and they actually force our boy Spider-Man to take his mask off and reveal who he is. Cause they say, you know, we know who everyone else in this group is. We need to know who you are. And we do get confirmation. And I, I did learn boys, the, the uh, one more day story has, has officially taken place in Marvel comics in which Peter Parker had Mephisto, Mephisto uh, basically undo his unmasking from civil war. So at this point in Marvel comics, nobody knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. So the new Avengers now know Peter is Spider-Man, um, even though he did really not want to take his mask off. Um, the group helps Doctor Strange, who you know stumbles in, having been basically just worked by the Hood. Um, they they help him track down his new replacement. They think it may be the son of Satan, uh, Damon Hellstorm, in New Orleans. But when they they fly to New Orleans, they learn the new uh, Sorcerer Supreme is a magician named Brother Voodoo, and Strange begins training Brother Voodoo. Uh, meanwhile, Ronan's TV appearance did not go over well. That kind of went sideways uh, after Norman Osborn comes and, and basically shoots back at uh, Clint Barton and, and reveals some things from Clint's past that are, are kind of similar to, to Norman's. Um, and we get Ronan, a.k.a. Clint Barton, vowing to kill Norman Osborn, uh, much to Spider-Man's uh, dismay because Spidey believes, you know, we shouldn't just be killing the bad guys. Um, but anyways, that is the summary of this new Avengers run. Dope, by the way. Very, very cool run. Um, my my first takes on it is I, I, I know we're going to be like probably crossing because of all these things crossing, but Norman Osborn's kind of a manipulative uh, like dude, huh? I think that is one assessment of Norman Osborn, and I think it's a fair assessment. <laughs> It's just he, the way he like masterminds it all. He, he, you get a big bad without really a, you know, the big bad. There's times where, uh, like, uh, that that something bad happens, and he goes, "Well, I got to go save people." And it's like, "Well, aren't you kind of bad? Why are you saving people?" And then, well, I'm saving people because it's my job, and I have to, you know, make sure people still think I'm good. And it's like, oh, so you're not saving people because. It's the right thing to do. So it's like that that gray, not good, because he's not doing it for the right reasons, but he is still saving people, and he's not... It's, it's, it's an interesting thing, and it's one of the reasons why I like this so much. It's like, ooh, mind games, fun stuff. Yeah, it, Norman is a very interesting character to get to know throughout all of these titles, and, and I think we'll talk... A lot more about him when we get into the Dark Avengers run, because um, I, I think 
it is it having see this is my my same struggle i was having when we were talking about secret invasion is when you're when you're going back and forth throughout all of these different titles constantly it is kind of tough to remember what specifically happened in the new avengers titles um and and so i i have a feeling that Norman Osborn was more of a background figure in, in most of these issues. Uh, but he definitely does pop up here and there. And, and, you know, we get some battles, we get him talking to Jessica drew who, um, you know, is, is going through her own struggles, having been the scroll queen, um, unbeknownst to her. Um, and we, and we learn that kind of everybody hates Jessica drew now, which is unfortunate for her, but perhaps I think, my all-time favorite thing from this entire New Avengers run was after that Spidey Peter Parker reveal, um, we learn that Jessica Jones went to high school with Peter Parker, and not only did they sit near each other in a class, she apparently had the biggest crush on Peter Parker. And Peter Parker's like, what? Really? Me? <laughs> Oh my girl, she she was in love with him. She she flat out said it, and the look painted on Luke Cage's face after that reveal was absolutely hilarious. And the only thing even more funny was kind of like the awkward conversation in the Quinjet right afterwards, where whenever this particular group of Avengers is in the same room, it is just the most hilarious sitcom style banter. And I feel like Spidey is just such a provoker of making sure that this group of angry, angry people is always angry for some reason at each other. And it's just very brother, sister, family style. And I think that that's hilarious. But yeah, that was a reveal that I was not expecting. I never really painted the two of them to be kind of of the same age. You think of Jessica Jones being in, settled down, having this family with Luke. Um, they have a child. Um, and which, yeah, that was a, a huge, I'm really glad they hopped into that too, because kind of retrieving that child and hunting that down was a huge drive at the beginning. Um, but yeah, the love, uh, of Peter Parker, I can't blame her, but this is very adult Petey that we're seeing here. And he even mentions it at one point during the comics. He's like, I'm an idiot. Like the Avengers asked me to join when I was a kid. They asked me to join again when I was in high school. They asked me to uh, join again, like slightly after, right when I when I was in my prime. And now this is when I joined the Avengers, and we're in capsule apartment, and we have no money, and we're on the run, and we're living underground. And of course, that's when I'm gonna join uh, this group. But yeah, Spidey, Spidey was pretty hilarious in a lot of the the situations, especially um, this is just a group of realists. They've already been through a lot with the Civil War and Secret Invasion, and. Uh, there's probably still a lot of kind of deep-rooted, deep trust between a lot of them, too, because you just come from the Skrull invasion, so it's tough for them to really form that bonding. Um, but yeah, seeing them come back and bicker, I saw, yeah, definitely a lot of the coolest dialogue came from this, because even just going back through on that one <laughs> scene of his revealing his face, uh, it kind of tied into all the different aspects that I love so much about it. But I thought, as soon as he pulled his mask down, uh, they really got me for a little cliffhanger from page turn to page turn there that he was about to walk away from the new Avengers. Yeah, I definitely thought he was going to leave. I did not think he would immediately reveal his identity yet again. Um, 
which he does admit, you know, this is going to come back and bite me in the butt. However, I do have to correct you both. They're at Bucky Cap's apartment. Um, which one of my one of my favorite Spidey dialogue things was they're in the middle of this big fight and he like refers to Captain America who is Bucky Barnes at this point because Steve Rogers is dead R.I.P. Um, but he he calls him Bucky Cap and, and Bucky's like stop calling me Bucky Cap <laughs> and it is it is hilarious but I have to correct you yet again Joey because Bucky Cap's apartment is Steve Rogers' old apartment that Bucky just moved into. Because he's now living the life and the mantle of Captain America. Um, so correction of your correction. But yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Um, from kind of a, an outside nerd world, one of the so collecting Marvel Legends, one of the biggest terms that's floated around is Bucky Cap. Because right before this new Vulcan mold, there was the Bucky Cap mold. They made this figure that was all new parts and pieces, and then they made like 10 or 11 different figures with the exact same mold that were like repainted and had different things on them but bucky cap was the phrase that was used to describe his figure uh, and all the different parts and pieces that were put on it for like daredevils another bucky cap mold hawkeye vision all those are on the same kind of mold that was reused for everything it was kind of like the gold standard for for figures for a long time there so i didn't i had never read Bucky Barnes as Captain America in the comics. I only knew the phrase from them referring to that figure and calling him Bucky Cap. So to see that show up was kind of is meta the word for me. That's kind of how it seemed. I didn't know they called him that in the comics. Um, and then like even later, um, they name uh, Dr. Voodoo Dr. Voodoo because he was going by well, I, I forget what his name was, uh, but basically when they said he took the the mantle of Doctor Strange, uh, they're like, oh, yeah, it's uh, the voodoo something. And I was like, it's Doctor Voodoo because he took over for Doctor Strange. So I feel like they were using a lot of different like comic fan references to actually rename these people in the comics. That was pretty cool because he yeah, didn't get first. a doctorate. He caught the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, it was Brother Voodoo. Brother Voodoo. Yep. And then became Doctor Voodoo. Yep. Big fan of that character, by the way. So cool. Uh, I don't know. I think that uh, well, we mentioned Bucky Cap, and I did want to say that it felt weird and cool at the same time with with Bucky Cap because you know, growing up with MCU and and reading the originals, you had Captain America, and it was Captain America, and you know that other people don the don the shield, but like. Bucky Cap's a different kind of shield wearer because Bucky's a little a little gray. Not afraid to use guns. Not at all. Or kill people. Or he shot him. Metal Mask straight in the dome. And I I am convinced that he knew that the mask was going to stop the bullet, but I don't think he would have cared if it didn't. Yeah, and it's but you always look at Captain America as this like righteous, like I won't hurt a single person mold. And then you get Bucky Cap and you're like, oh, they're going this like, Cap America might hurt somebody. It's it's a cool, but weird, cool uh, dynamic. And he does acknowledge too, where he's like, you know, I know Steve had a certain way of doing things, but I'm not Steve. Uh, And I think that's kind of, a big theme of all of these stories that we read is, you know, when the bad guys are basically in charge um, and, and, you know, 
things are, are going terribly. What are the good guys really allowed to do to help remedy the situation? And, and when is it crossing the line? They battle with that internally, too. Uh, and I think it's really cool that Ronan and um, Bucky Cap and uh, Carol Danvers, both a lot of them have like this formal formal military background behind them. And they, they just paint it pretty clear. They're like, yeah, I get that there's good and bad. And there's these lines that are being drawn. But we are at war. And when you're at war, you win at all costs. Uh, even when they're stealing the Quinjet, the Quinjet, they bring that in. Spidey's like, that's not ours. We can't take that. Literally says stealing is stealing. And uh, they're like, yeah, but this is what's going on. This is what's at stake. We're at war here. And this is the resource and the the things that we need in order to do that. And even when, on their, when they're on the plane, he gets on the plane. He's still throwing a little fit about it because, yeah, Spidey's just trying to do good at all times, which is, I feel like, an oddity on this particular team. He's kind of like that white flag. He's the he's the grounded. What is the good that Steve Rogers used to be? And in the absence of him, I feel like Spidey kind of fills that because you've got this this hatred and this anger in Luke Cage. I mean, Wolverine is Wolverine. You got this new form of Captain America. Ronan is just ready to kill anybody. And I've got several screenshots about that. Um, really kind of takes the team off guard when he's like yeah so the media thing didn't work so probably he's gonna have to go kill him now and <laughs> spidey literally responds with uh wait what <laughs> but yeah there's a there's just a win at all cost like we're in it this far kind of mentality behind this team um that's pretty cool and to answer your question from before joey we're not just to answer your question but to play off of your comment um Kind of in this particular series, since I read this one first entirely all the way through, Norman Osborn wasn't a huge factor in this one, but he was kind of like that background looming big bad. I feel like this one definitely focused more so on the very beginning of the run was hunting down those scrolls, uh, kicking ass, taking names and finding the baby, which was just so cool that the team was able to do this. They pulled in the resources of the Fantastic Four in order to do so. They literally scoured every back corner alley in order to go and find where some evil connection might connect to somebody else evil who's going to track down one of these scrolls that is still living on earth who's kind of in the form of jarvis at this time um i think it was a really cool aspect that they basically said like you can't detect them if they're not changing so it was very convenient they were still looking for this jarvis form um but yeah they they went they they won that they got the baby back um and then you have that background of it was because i made the deal of, of norman osborne um which i'm really glad that luke didn't follow through with that i thought he was about to hop sides there for a second uh which i mean a lot of dads might have done but he kind of put his family and his uh self at risk again by doing so but he had his baby and knew that he was going to protect him a little better and then after the scroll thing, you definitely have this huge looming presence of the hood and the demon associated with that as well, too, where the scene really, really comes together. And you get the aspects of Doctor Strange and the Voodoo Ranger. Voodoo Ranger? <laughs> that is an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a great idea. idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, especially the, the Juice Force uh, Voodoo Ranger. Highly recommend. However, um, I, I very digress. Um, but yeah, you have all that going on in the background. You get Hellstrom 
uh, Heldstrom. I don't know how you pronounce it necessarily, but uh, essentially the the son of Satan um, brought in, uh, who I thought was going to be the Sorcerer Supreme, the way they painted that. And then, yeah, uh, Voodoo comes in with just the, the coolest. I don't know a whole ton about him except for his appearance in these comics. But, uh, yeah, just him with the kind of like the life force and soul of his brother tied into him uh, was a really, really cool back and forth as well, too. I don't remember what I said first to go off on this particular rant, so I don't <laughs> know how to close it. Uh, but I'm done talking for the for the current moment. I know how to close it. Joey, I really want to get into some of these other things. Let's hear the next little blurb. All right, but before we go into the next one, I do just have one quick question. Do we know, did Brother Voodoo, um, was he a Marvel character prior to this? Was this a his introduction, or did he have, like, a, a you know, a standalone title, or was he on some team? Because I, I know nothing about him. Do we happen to know if he is a new character? Because I, I have some questions about how this Sorcerer Supreme title is handed out and, and how it's decided who gets it. But that, that Brother Voodoo's me... first appearance was in Strange Tales 169, which was in September of 1973. Okay, so he's been around. I digress. I, uh, I always have that one character from each reading that I want to learn more about. Brother Voodoo is definitely the one from here. I, uh, I play other games and 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 have other nerddoms where Loa uh, is is a powerful schema, and I was very interested when you know making deals with the Loa was talked about, and and you know the the voodoo side of the house happening in New Orleans. It's 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 a really interesting uh, way to do things. I'm, I want to hear more. Great. Well, let's go ahead and, and jump into the next storyline. We'll maybe revisit brother voodoo in, in a future episode and, and as we learn more about him but let's get into dark avengers which is our second story of the day um we see norman in in the dark avengers in the aftermath of the secret invasion as he begins to take charge he assembles a new team of avengers which has bullseye acting as the new hawkeye and we see mac gargan's venom as the new spider-man uh wolverine's son uh, as the new wolverine we see the Sentry, who is uh, battling, you know, inner demons himself. Um, we see Ares. We see Mar Captain Marvel's son take on the realm of Captain Marvel, and we get Norman himself leading the charge as the Iron Patriot in one of Tony's Iron Man suits. Uh, meanwhile, Doctor Doom, one of Norman's criminal buddies, is dealing with a threat across time in the likes of Morgan Le Fay, uh, the sorceress. And so the Dark Avengers assemble to assist uh, Victor Von Doom in Latveria, where they save Doctor Doom, they cast Lefay away, only for her to return, um, and not without the loss of the Sentry. The Sentry dies in this battle. Doom reveals to Norman that in order to defeat Lefay, they must go across time into the past uh, in order to truly deal with her. And, and the two time travel back to the early hundreds, I think the, the first thousand years uh, AD, if I remember correctly, and they, um, we, we also get flashbacks during this time to Norman dealing with the Sentry and, and kind of talking him through, you know, his dual identity crisis that he's having. Norman shares his own past with Bob and, and convinces him, you know, there is no void 
as the sentry's struggling with his alter ego, the void, Norman convinces him there is no void. He is just Bob. Um, anyways, back in the past, Doom and Norman managed to cast Morgan Le Fay into the prehistoric past a million years previously. So they, they defeat her, and then upon their return to the present, Bob, the sentry, somehow returns and is still alive. Um, although he may not be Bob anymore. And, and Norman, once again, has to go convince him that, you know, the void is not real. Um, anyways, Norman gets ready to go on to TV to basically clear his name after we see the, the Clint Barton, you know, interview on airing on, on TV. Norman goes to deal with that and, and you know, basically clap back at, at Clint Barton. Uh, meanwhile, an Atlantean group attacks the city and, and the Dark Avengers assemble to fight them. And Norman summons his group of villains together, basically to confront Namor about this attack. And Norman then tells Bob, our boy, the Sentry, you know what? We actually need the Void. I need the Void. I need you to, tr to channel the Void. He sends the Sentry Void off to defeat a huge group of Atlanteans. And he instructs him to leave one of them alive, which he brings back and Norman feeds to Venom. We see that Norman is just secretly giving Venom all of the brains that he can. Um, and the story wraps up with Norman dealing with the goblin personality making its way back. He's kind of talking to himself and, and struggling, and we see that he may not be the healed individual that everyone thinks he is. Yep. Sentry is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, he's just, even just the, like, the way that he's written uh, it's just, it's basically like this struggling, I don't even want to say teenager, almost like a child-like at times. Um, especially that scene where like he's just sitting on his bedroom floor. Uh, his wife is just sitting there essentially pretending to be asleep in fear of who this person is. Norman walks in. Uh, yeah, it, the only thing cooler than the power of the century and the fact that like nobody knows what this man is capable of. Except that he can basically win a battle at any cost. Um, the only thing cooler than that is the mind control that Norman Osborn has over the Sentry to basically use him for everything that he needs to. In order to like calm him down, walk him through that, you see kind of like this personable level of Norman Osborn that all just feels so completely fake, um, but is just seemingly heartfelt and deep at the same time um just kind of like that i'll say whatever i need to do whatever i need to to control these pawns to to get the the greater good here i would say the only people that norman osborne does not have any control over essentially is the people in this cabal that we keep seeing the background of of you obviously he's got this tie-in with dr doom and then this thing happens with namor um that's a that's a pretty scary background team as well too that we don't know a ton about at at the current state but um, seeing them and their involvement is awesome. But back to my original statement, the century is just came from just this nobody character that I knew nothing about to just kind of like this driving force, um, and especially this team in general. Um, I just want to briefly talk about that. This team is just powerhouse after powerhouse and i think that it's so cool the way that they kind of took the mantles of these other characters with with moonstone taking over for miss marvel and uh bullseye's hawkeye is one of my coolest things for i for some reason love this version of venom and i don't know why i did not know a ton about matt gorgon as, as even a scorpion but him as 
Venom, and I don't know how that ever came to be. Hopefully you can fill me in a little bit, Joey. But I think that is just amazing. And yeah, every scene where he eats somebody is just terrifying and hilarious. Um, so much power between all these different people in here. So this was a really, really cool run. Yeah, and I think my my favorite part about you mentioned mentioned the characters, but like I feel like they even embraced some aspects of the person that they're being, and I I think that's why I like that Venom is because he actually got some of Spider Man's wittiness here and there, and you you see it when he talks, and you're like, oh, that's that isn't Spider Man sometimes, and it it was it was cool to see that that aspect of it. Yeah knew that Mac Gargan was Venom at some point. However, I, I had never read any Mac Gargan Venom comics before, uh, you know, this this run and the Secret Invasion run before this. But uh, basically, you know, I I knew he, of him. I don't know how he got the Venom symbiote, who he got it from. I would assume it came from Eddie Brock somehow. But um, yeah, I, I know Mac Gargan as the Scorpion. I've seen him pop up in several Spidey comics, but yes, this is my first experience with him as Venom. Um, but yeah, Bo, your your points about the Sentry. I mean, the, these conversations that we see Norman having with the Sentry are kind of the, I thought, some of the coolest parts of this Dark Avengers run because as a reader, I was kind of like, Oh, you know, Norman Osborn's obviously evil. I, I know his past and I know his future uh, in, in Marvel Comics. I, I did, don't necessarily know how this event is going to transpire. But, you know, I, at the time reading this, I was like, oh, he's like legitimately trying to help the Sentry. He's, he's getting him to address this like alternate personality and the fact that it is just an alternate personality. It's not a completely different being. Um, you know, he has full control of himself. And then we just get the 360 turn, you know, or 180, I suppose, at the end where Norman's like, you know what, Bob, we need the void. Sorry, I, I know I've been telling you that the void doesn't exist for five issues, but we need the void. Um, and, and we just see that flip and, and we know like, okay, Norman is for sure just not a good dude. Yeah, it goes back to that thing that I was talking about of, because I felt the same thing, Joey. Like, like he had to overcome the Green Goblin some to be at least in control of Norman Osborn. So I always thought, oh, he's just helping him control a little bit. You know, I know his intentions aren't good, but he is trying to help him a little bit, only to find out, no, he was just waiting for the moment to be like, no, 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 void time, come on. And it's like, and then I also, we, we kind of hinted and mentioned this too, it goes to that point of, and then as soon as, like, almost immediately following the uh, the Void Up, he uh, he starts hearing his demons come back, and the Green Goblin starts, you know, talking talking to him. And that's when you see the, you know, the whole, the whole switch over. So is he actually, instead of helping, is he hurting his own uh, control? It's, it's interesting. It's a good, good, good little side thing. Yeah, and I, I did really also like, we haven't talked much about, you know, this whole Latveria battle and the the Morgan Le Fay aspect of this story, but that's something that I actually want to learn a little bit more about. I, I always knew, you know, Morgan Le Fay was a Marvel character, as is, you know, a lot of that old British, um, you know, 
stuff that falls into some of those old stories like Alexander the Great or not Alexander the Great. What what am I thinking? Who's the who's <laughs> the guy King holding... Arthur? King Arthur, that's right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that stuff comes into play in like Captain Britain stories. Um like I, I got Merlin showing up in, in one of the Captain Britain secret invasion stories. Uh, but I think this is the first I've ever seen Morgan Le Fay, and I guess I didn't realize she was a villain. Uh, makes sense, but I, I'm used to Magic Treehouse Morgan Le Fay. You know, she's that <laughs> nice, uh, positive presence. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, the, I, the only reason I had seen her prior was um, weirdly in a show that I watched with my son, uh, Marvel Superhero Adventures, where everything is very cartoon animated. She had popped up. And I was very confused by it because I had no idea who it was. She was very like Scarlet Witch, uh, Agatha Harkness like esque in the background. Um, so I did some googling and then yeah, found out about the whole kind of King Arthur Merlin side of things, which I haven't read in comics except for like this involvement here now. But yeah, the power between that and the battle between her and Doom was was really really cool. I did not know how they were going to come on top of that one. Uh, with her just being able to kind of go back in time to that point every single time, uh, you kind of see Doom in a in a unfamiliar state where he's just kind of sitting there frozen, helpless, waiting for these people to come and save him. So that's not a a Doom that I'm used to dealing with. And then again, Norm Nosborn kind of that convinces him, sways him to be able to access his suit. So again, Doom kind of like admitting defeat or needing help in that situation is again very very tough and they uh they go back to where they need to and take care of her in a really really cool way sending her back to dinosaur time so i don't know if i will be reading her again after reading her this time unless i were to read like one of the standalone comics of i don't know does king arthur have its own marvel comic and it's a pretty prevalent character i know there are some comics that kind of explore that realm i don't know if it's necessarily like a king arthur title but i I think a lot of the captain britain stuff crosses into that realm i've got two questions falling off of that one did he send her back in time i know he said he did but did he send her back in time or did he send her to the savage lands we did might have been at first but um it did say like uh, 1 million bc or something in the top left corner and i don't think the writer would lie to us yeah, it did give us a, a time stamp on that panel, which coincidentally, 1 million BC, that's the exact time that um, Bo, some of you and I's favorite current Marvel things with the Avengers storylines, with you know some of those old original Avengers that took place a million BC. Do you think we see Morgan Le Fay pop up somewhere in that, in that current Marvel run? Um. I won't go into much spoilers, uh, but that current Marvel run, I don't think took off for very long. Um, so I, I don't know if we will see her. I'm assuming that T-Rex was faster than she thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do love that time period where you see the origins. A lot of those, you get to see caveman moon Knight and Odin leading his team of Avengers, the original Phoenix force, the original iron fist like that. That's a cool one to read, and hopefully we can get into that at some point, too, because, Brady, I think you would really enjoy some of those. A lot of new characters kind of created for that presence, but a lot of, like, history and lore that's tied into it as well, too. So, um, yeah, I I didn't even catch that that was, like, that exact same time period, but I really, really enjoyed the comics and those characters, too. 
Yes, so I, I would. Put... kind of alluded to my second question of that of that two part question, which is, what do you guys think will be more detrimental, leaving Morgan Le Fay alive, or uh, Norman Osborn gaining access to uh, Doctor Doom in the long run? I guess. Um, I I I don't know if it happens. Um, but I will say that I feel like through his involvement with Namor and we've seen this involvement with uh, Dr. Doom, we know that Loki's doing her, his, I don't even know how to refer to Loki at this point. I'm going to say her because it's a female form, um, which is very confusing. Which is, <laughs> but, which is funny because even Heimdall didn't know what to say in the comics. So, um, But yeah, I, I feel like he's starting to kind of build his... Uh, his his leadership role or his his control over that team so he's got to have a little something on all of them um i'm sure doom will find a way to kind of reverse the access that he gave him very very quickly because that's doom and he already was <laughs> rebuilding as he brought his uh, entire castle and uh kind of empire back through that little time cube um but yeah uh I, norman osborne's just just working behind the scenes and all of this. And I feel like nobody fully trusts him as they shouldn't. Um, but I, yeah, we're definitely building up to a pretty big thing here. Yeah, I would agree. I think that just knowing how big of a Marvel villain Norman Osborn is and how small and unknown Morgan Le Fay is as a villain, I would say that you know Norman uh getting access to what he has is, is has much more detrimental effects possibly but yeah lady loki is a a very interesting development of this entire thing which pops up a lot more in the in the next storyline which you guys want to go ahead and jump into the mighty avengers or was there anything else you wanted to talk about with this dark avengers run uh, the it. only thing that I had between like the two of the runs that we just talked about was kind of like a tie-in between both, where you get that back and forth scene of Norman standing on that stage with his panel of new, like Avengers being shown for the first time, and I had it screenshotted and I didn't get a chance to go over it because I completely forgot. Uh, but it was actually one of like those surprise scripts that I was going to read through with you guys because I thought the commentary on it was hilarious, where. The new Avengers are sitting there watching this reveal happen on the news because they're just sitting here. They watch the boob tube quite a bit in this new Avengers run where they're just trying to get all their news from the TV um, and all the different like media interviews and things that happen. But um, they're standing there and they're like, who are these people? And like they have a Spider-Man and that's Hawkeye's uniform and that guy's Wolverine. And then they basically get the realization like these are the freaking Thunderbolts. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's Venom. And somebody's like, not even the cool Venom. Like, that's Corkin Venom. And then they realize that Bullseye was there under the Hawkeye costume. And they're just getting insulted by who's who's on that. So I think that that was just kind of like a really cool deep cut. I think it was a, a way to tie in and really kind of like personally insult a lot of them. As the new Avengers, they have these new personas and underground personas. And the, they kind of take their highlight like names and uniforms and just kind of run with it and just kind of had the, the appearance of being a good guy uh, when we know that everybody on this team is anything but. And then, yeah, the tie-ins of Ares and Sentry are there. Like, what the heck are they doing? Um, just, again, the banter between the teams 
both the new Avengers and the dark Avengers and both of these runs was absolutely hilarious. And yeah, Brady, what you mentioned, they did kind of take on a lot of those personas where you see Venom literally hitting the quips and just saying like funny lines in the background, which I don't know Gorgon's character to be much of that, or if he was really just truly the, the Spidey of this team. And Ares was very, very Thor-like. And you see uh, Norman Osborn trying to take the mantle of both Iron Man and Captain America of the of the leader and the knight and uh yeah I've really really enjoyed both of these and and happy to jump into the third here Joey yeah and, and during that real reveal I did really like everyone going who's that new Wolverine and Wolverine's like yeah that's my son and everyone was like wait wait a minute what you have a a, a what now <laughs> and Spider not even was... that it was that like everybody was just kind of like grossed out at the fact that Wolverine has been with a woman before yeah, so Spider Man <laughs> said wait you've had sex <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Well, let's get into our third story, The Mighty Avengers, um, which follows Hank Pym, for the most part, um, and, and his group of Avengers. Hank has been, similar to Jessica Drew, struggling with the fact that he was one of the big faces of the Skrull invasion. Um, you know, we had Skrull Hank kind of going on TV, declaring to the world that the Skrulls were invading. So he's dealing with everyone kind of also hating him, similar to Jessica Drew. Uh, but meanwhile, Wanda Maximoff is appearing for the first time since House of M. She's been, you know, disappeared for the last how, however long it's been since House of M. Brady and I were actually just discussing the timeline of Marvel Comics before we started recording and how convoluted and messy it gets. Nobody really knows how much time's gone by, but haven't seen Wanda in quite a while. She shows up, starts assembling together this new group of Avengers um, you know, we didn't just need two of them. We needed to have a third. And and that's going to be this group, which consists of Young Avengers, Vision, and Stature. Um, we've got Jarvis. We've got Hercules and Amadeus Cho. We've got the Hulk. And we've got Jocasta, uh, who Hank has been kind of having a little weird flirtatious thing. And in the wake of his wife's death, Jocasta is basically the consciousness of his wife in this robot body. Uh, weird relationship there. But then we get all of these, un like I said, assembled under Hank Pym as the new Wasp. And Hank is convinced to lead this group and they take on the Chaos God. Now, can you, can one of you please tell me if this is right? Is it Cthon? I think it's Cthon. I think it's a play on Cthulhu. I, okay, yeah, I was going to say it, it reminded me of like a, uh, you know, a Cthulhu type thing. But yeah, I didn't know if I was saying that Lovecraftian word correctly. Cthon. Okay, <laughs> but, so the chaos god Cthon, who has inhabited Wanda's brother Pietro Maximoff. Um, Pietro, meanwhile, is, is basically uh, contained within a, a book. Well, I think it was the Darkhold, if I remember correctly. Um, but this group works together, frees the gods hold on Quicksilver. They free Quicksilver from this book. And it is revealed that uh, basically the Wanda working to gather these heroes together is actually none other than Lady Loki herself. Um, we are kind of thrust into a lot of this stuff. This is how Marvel Comics works, where, you know, characters exist and we we jump into a story not knowing much about them but we've got lady logie we've got new vision i knew nothing about either of these people or why they are the way they are but there we are um quicksilver joins the group in an effort to get closer to wanda the group fights uh you know monsters as well as the dark avengers um before escaping to a uh, a pim pocket which is essentially this 
other dimension that Hank Pym has has created in in like a tiny version of something. I, the science behind this made very little sense to me. Uh, but they they get into this little pocket dimension and their connection to our reality begins fading while they're in this little pim pocket. And the group basically has to steal this much needed device from Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four because Reed refuses to give it to Hank Pym. Uh, Hank has had some anger issues and some other issues in the past. Reed doesn't trust him with this technology. So this group basically has to work together to steal this device from Reed and the Fantastic Four uh, in order to save themselves. And they they succeed in this, and and Hank connects the device to Jocasta. To um, you know, the group thinks that he's killing Jocasta in in the process, but she seems okay, and he leads them into the unknown. And and basically, we get a cliffhanger at the end of this Mighty Avengers story as Hank is is leading the group into you know some unknown place. Yeah. So I will uh, start by saying Joey as a board game aficionado that I know both of us are. I attributed Pim, the Pim Pocket to the Magic Elevator in House Betrayal House on the Hill. Where... Oh, that's a great comparison. It's a room that you go in, and it can just boop, and go to another, another location where, and then boop, and go to another location. It's always in one spot, but it can kind of go to these different areas and take over the, that space. That's how I... I I did it. But I did want to also comment on it felt weird reading the relationships and stuff and the things happening. Wanda comes back and Vision's alive and I'm like, oh Wanda and Vision are, are gonna be a thing. Not knowing, you know, Wanda was actually, you know, crazy Loki. Um So that's then, not the same vision. But well then I realize it's not the same vision. But then seeing vision and stature, which is um uh Lang, the old Ant Man's daughter. It's, yeah, Cassidy. It's, yeah, it's Cassie. It's it's weird seeing them to like a, as a thing when Wanda is there because it's hard to disconnect vision being vision. Um but then Jacosta, I believe, and I don't want to be wrong, but I believe Hank Pym refers to as his daughter because he created her. Which makes it really weird when they kiss. So, I and I know it's a consciousness of his wife, and that's why, and it's like not really his daughter, it's not really his wife, it's just a robot that kind of is both because he's calling him that, but it's just, it's just weird. It's this weird dynamic through the whole thing, and that's why with 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 this run, it, it just felt, like, everything just felt that little bit weird for those reasons, for, you know, this fact that you mentioned it, where... Hank Pym is like, I'm I'm not a leader. I, I believe uh, Scarlet Witch came and said, you're the leader. And he goes, no, I'm not. And he convinces him he's the leader. And he goes, fine, I'm the leader. And then he gets into a thing and he's like, all right, I'm the leader. And everyone's like, no, you're not. And he's like, oh, I'm not. But I am the leader. And it's like, it's like just, it, it's just this weird dynamic through the whole thing. Good story, though. I think Ooh. to sum up all of that is that Hank Pym has a really hard time making up his mind or sticking true to something for example i think the thing that insults me the most is the man cannot pick a superhero persona and stick with it for more than one comic run he's been ant-man <laughs> he's been giant man he's been the goliath. yellow jacket and now he's the wasp and goliath i'm just like there's a series where he just goes by 
Dr. Pym. And I was even more offended by that. I'm just like, dude, <laughs> Hank, come on. Like, first of all, he's got cost. He's got more costumes than Spider-Man. I'm convinced. Um, but yeah, it's a different name to go with each one of those. Yeah. Way too many Hank Pym personalities. And, and, Brady, you're not alone feeling weird because uh, if there's one character in this run that feels even weirder than you, I bet it's Jarvis. Poor Jarvis walks in on on Hank and Jocasta more than once. The, the first one I was so confused by, and I had to zoom in on this panel. Um, it was in like the very first uh, issue in this run, but I don't know if you caught this. Jarvis walks in on Hank Pym, who's basically fixing Jocasta. Like, something went wrong with Jocasta and he's like drilling into her robot body to like fix something. But the, the picture that they show to depict him doing this is like Jocasta laying on a table with her robot legs up in the air split. And Hank just has a drill like right in where her private parts would be. (laughs) And Jarvis walks in and is like, Oh, uh, whoops. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that, that, you know, that thing I was talking about, about, it's just, hey, it's got this weird thing going on with Jocasta. The thing that he has to fix us happens to be in that area. It's just weird. It's just a weird feeling. Yeah, super weird. Um, but overall, though, I do really like the, I, I think the Pim Pocket, as weird and kind of not explainable as it is, is really interesting. And I think it makes for a really cool, uh, it makes for really cool possibilities down the line with what you can do with a a, t- a room that can teleport the entire room in it at all at any time. It's it's really cool. I, and I'm a kind of a nerd for for Pym Tech over Stark Tech, but I just think it's I think there's a lot of cool things they could do with that too. So a lot of I I think one of the coolest things was this one. I feel like was one of the more standalones. Um, where yeah, there's obviously the same tie-ins, but you don't get as much of the. I think the main back and forth between this whole Dark Reign for me was a lot of the New Avengers and the Dark Avengers and the battle that's kind of brewing between those because there's a lot more Norman Osborn focused and things like that. Of these three teams that are referencing themselves as the Avengers, um, lineup wise, power wise, even just kind of cohesiveness, uh, who was your favorite? Who would win? I mean, oh, Bucky, Bucky Cap for sure. That team, that team is by far the one that I. And this, that's the one I contributed to the uh, Avengers, the actual Avengers. I think my favorite is definitely you know the new Avengers with Bucky Cap and and all of them. But in just like an all out battle, I might have to give it to these mighty Avengers. We've got Hercules. I mean, we've got a, a, a god here. Um, you know, I know that we have Ares on the Dark Avengers, but I've just never been a big Ares fan. Um, we've got so we've got you know Hercules. We've got two brilliant minds of Hank Pym and Amadeus Cho. Like we we get plenty of references to the fact that they are both top eight smartest people in the world. Um, which I would love to see the test in like these rankings. How do they know who is exactly the seventh smartest person in the world? Um, <laughs> You'd have to be a smarter person to know that. Only the top eight people know it. That's fair. <laughs> but then, yeah, we, we've got a vision. We've got a, an Ant-Man of sorts in, in stature with Cassie Lang. I, I think just the, the power set on this Mighty Avengers crew is, is phenomenal. Yeah, Scarlet Witch, Viz, um, just a lot of big names here. Um, and then a lot of cool people in that run as well, too. Like, 
Red Hulk, uh, big presence of the Fantastic Four, uh, which I always love when they're tied in because they're usually off doing their own thing. But when you bring the Fantastic Four in, it's a, it's a cool tie. Um, really plays off of kind of that Hank Pym, even though he was a scroll and uh, Mr. Fantastic uh, relationship, the minds, which was awesome. You get some like U.S. agent in here, which is a, another really cool kind of dark take on uh, Captain America. So you've got that presence as well. Uh, but yeah, the, the the Avengers team specifically, I, I think, is definitely one of like the more powerful ones. As much as I love the new Avengers, it's probably one of the weaker lineups. For sure. But I think- yeah, yeah, just just wanted to ask your guys' opinion on that because again, there's there's just too many people throwing that word Avengers out there without them all being together on one team, in my personal opinion. Yeah, and we didn't even mention the fact that there is also the Young Avengers masquerading around New York at this point. So yet another group of quote-unquote Avengers. I think for me, um, one of the things that, and, and, and hopefully, well, let's say, let's say, let's let's start with this. Hopefully, we've gotten enough of the recaps done that we can talk about this. But Joey and Bo, we might have different answers because of how we read it. But I was very disappointed to see Eric Lang in the bad guy Avengers at the start of the readings. But what the heck happens to him? He drops off like after the fourth comic and then we don't hear about him anymore. Did I miss something? You said who now? Eric uh, Lang? The, 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 the funny Ant-Man. Oh, Eric, Eric O'Grady. O'Grady. O'Grady, that's it, he, not Lang. I mixed two together. So he is actually on the Thunderbolts at this point. Um he lost his avenger title well he didn't lose his avenger title but he was you know in the initiative and norman basically recruited him for the secret thunderbolts which we'll get into in the next storyline but we did get a reference from cassie lang uh scott's daughter who i I did think it was interesting having wanda assemble we find out it wasn't actually wanda it's lady loki pretending to be wanda but wanda is assembling this team and Cassie Lang is like, guys, she killed my dad. Like, Scott Lang died because of Wanda Maximoff. And, and now Cassie's, like, assembling onto this Avengers group under her, uh, which is just really interesting to get her, you know, dynamic throughout this. But she did mention in one of these issues, um, you know, hey, I, I've met that current Ant-Man, and that guy's such a tool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. and and and. It's just, I wanted more of him because I was like, oh, the bad guys have Lang or have uh, Erica Grady, the uh, uh, Pym people, who, who's, who was the probably Stature was the witty one for, for, for them. The uh, Bucky Cap group has Spider-Man. Like they all have the, the witty character that's going to crack a joke. I was so excited for it. And then Thunderbolts got serious and, and you know, I didn't see him after that. And I was like, oh. He must have gotten something must have happened that I missed. No, they these Marvel characters just change teams more often than Kevin Durant, man. You never know where they're gonna be <laughs> at any given time. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, on the uh the next uh recap, Joey. Yeah, any any last thoughts on Mighty Avengers, Bo? No, um, Joey. No, not not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, again, this was it was almost kind of uh, I don't like using this word because it is its own thing, but it was kind of filler for me. Um, my my biggest reason, I feel like the Dark Reign, just kind of a team, was the New Avengers and the Dark Avengers, and I've said that a couple times already. Uh, but I this it almost felt 
filler is not the word I was looking for. Very almost kind of tie-in, where it wasn't like the main driving force of the story for me or my personal interest. Uh, but it was cool to see some more of that background going in during the same time period. Well, speaking of filler, um, let's get into our our fourth and final storyline of this run here, which is the story going back and forth between Thunderbolts and Deadpool. Um, So we got a a kind of crossover story. Like I mentioned last week, Marvel loves to do this where they'll print, you know, part one of a story uh, and then you pick up the next issue and it's part three. And you're like, wait, where's part two? Because you have to buy a, a separate title to get the full story. Um, But we get this run following our Deadpool story from, you know, last week that almost made it into our MCU entry. Um, It actually lost to Thunderbolts, which um, is great that these two stories are are tying into one another. But this deals with the fallout of Deadpool after Secret Invasion. Like I mentioned last week, Deadpool was infiltrating this scroll ship in order to steal biological data on, you know, how to kill this this queen scroll, which he was supposed to be sending to Nick Fury, and it got intercepted by Norman Osborn, allowing Norman to take down the scroll queen. And as a result, Deadpool did not wind up getting paid by Nick Fury. He didn't complete the job. Fury didn't get his intel. Deadpool little pissed off because he did not get his money from Norman or from from Fury and he blames Norman Osborn so he's got a vendetta against Norman uh, so we get to watch Deadpool uh, team up with Taskmaster to basically infiltrate the Thunderbolts and and convince Norman to pay him um, I believe the amount of 100 million dollars which he changed on his ransom note from 10 million to 100 million. Um, love a good Deadpool ransom note with just like things crossed out as he willingly, you know, at a whim decides to change his mind. Um, but he he has Taskmaster, Taskmaster basically pretend to be him, dresses up in a fake Deadpool outfit, um, infiltrates the Thunderbolts, has a you know some fun battles with the Thunderbolts. We get a great relationship developing between Deadpool and Yelena, um, the Black Widow Part Two. Uh, we know, you know, we know her from the Hawkeye series on Disney Plus. She is now the leader of this Thunderbolts team that also has, like we mentioned, Eric O'Grady, um, as well as a few other you know, shadowy figures. Uh, this group was put together by Norman, kind of in secret. He's basically using them to do these like more illegal, shady activities that he can't send his public Avengers team to do. Um, and so we see Deadpool and Taskmaster infiltrate this group they taskmaster gets caught they believe it is deadpool um deadpool comes and and rescues him but in in the end deadpool does eventually get his head decapitated um however we learn that you know him the, the deadpool appeal can does not rub off uh from black widow very easily and she seemingly sews his head back onto his body um, saves his life. He he does remain alive, and he escapes with Norman Osborn's gold card. Uh, he basically <laughs> goes to an ATM, withdraws as much money out of Osborn's account as he can. It's just enough to pay Taskmaster. Deadpool's still not quite uh, where he wants to be. He's at least paid his his accomplice off, um, and we get one more you know fun romp of Deadpool you know going after these Thunderbolts, going after Norman Osborn again. 
Um, I don't necessarily remember exactly how this story ends, but that is my plot summary of Deadpool and Thunderbolts. She does love me. I love, I loved it. I love Deadpool, obviously, but the the whole thing, the whole, all the comments, all, all the the PP jokes, the entire way through, everything was wonderful. I loved it completely. I I loved the uh, the scene where they're uh, he's pointing a gun at Yelena and flirting with her, and then she goes. Have you learned not to that women don't like when you point a gun at them when you're flirting? And he goes, "Would you prefer a knife?" And he goes, "Kinky." And she goes, "No, I prefer the gun." And he's like, "Oh yeah." And then it was just this back and forth of like these deranged fl- flirting mechanics, and it was it was great. I loved it. Yeah, that, uh, it was just hilarious. And I did screenshot that page that you are referencing. Um, you know, <laughs> Deadpool goes. Ooh, freaky deaky and, and uh you know Bl- black widow leans in and just says you have no idea <laughs> yeah this was very on brand for both deadpool and, and thunderbolts a little bit uh kind of tvma vibes between obviously deadpool um eric o'grady with his classic just always popping up out of boobies um and and every comic i've ever seen him in um but yeah just the the kind of play between him and these two teams. I think the cool thing that I liked about this was the lineup in particular. These are not people that I'm used to reading, um, but kind of their team aspect of, of the of the Thunderbolts got me really excited because I had never seen kind of Yelena Belova um, and Ghost. We mentioned Taskmaster and all three of those people. Um are in the upcoming Thunderbolts roster for the, is it a movie or it's a movie, right? Not a TV show coming out in the MCU of the Thunderbolts and a little bit more uh, people in that, like um, obviously Bucky Barnes is in that as I don't even know his title at this point, because he's not the winter soldier anymore, but he'll be a part of that. And we just saw him as Bucky cap. Um, so that that was a really cool kind of void there as well too. the red guardian from the, uh, from the movie, we heard that Red Hulk's going to be in there, which we saw him and the Mighty Avengers. So this is all still kind of tying in, not directly in the exact same lineup or the exact same time order. But we're seeing these references to the comics and these upcoming teams with the the Mighty Avengers, the New Avengers, uh, the Young Avengers, the Thunderbolts. Um, the, the one thing that's kind of missing from all of this is that overwhelming just kind of Norman Osborn post secret invasion and into dark rain it's kind of seeming that's where the mcu is going but we haven't seen really kind of this universe's norman osborne except for what happened in that spider-man where he was brought in from another one so interesting to see if we'll we'll kind of get finally a, a green goblin norman osborne in this universe as well too that'll be be interesting for sure i i like I said, I've been a big fan of, of reading reading this because I think this is what I kind of wanted. Because this is as close to these this comic run, the Stark Grand comic run, is as close to what I think the MCU is going for as as it can get for me, anyways. Um, I mean, and I think that's even more prevalent in this Deadpool run because there's literally the exact like opening scene for uh for Deadpool. With the pizza box and the delivery guy, like to a T, that's in the Marvel the Marvel movie. So or the MCU. So it's uh 
it's re- it was really cool reading it and, and, and seeing how it could connect. What are the odds that in Deadpool 3, the movie, we get the meat suit that D- Deadpool uses in this, um, in his fight with Bullseye? He, he creates this meat <laughs> suit while they're in a butcher shop. Uh, basically just dons a, a giant pig, all the meat from a pig, wears the head on his head, uses the, the meat uh, arms and, and body as like a shield. And we get these flashbacks to Deadpool as a kid who, you know, as, as, a, as a little kid, he always wanted to make a meat suit. So he's finally fulfilling his lifelong dream. Yeah, gosh, I hope so. And I hope they do the flashback as a kid. Because they also had a bullseye flashback when on career day. And what do you want to be when you grow up? And he goes, I want to be a bad guy. And it's like one frame. And it was perfect. It was just perfect. Like, I could see the movie happening. I could see Deadpool, the, the back and forth. Oh, I loved it so much. I also don't trust any Deadpool flashback. Because I feel like his mind is so detached from reality. That, that probably didn't even happen. A little, you didn't have to say flashback. I don't trust anything that happens in a Deadpool comic because he hallucinates <laughs> half the time. <laughs> that's that's very, very true. 100%. And even when we got the, the classic uh, arrowhead scene, his brain was like not functioning and he's still talking to it like it's a, like it's a thing. It was great. That's all. That's all. <laughs> That's all. It was great. I, I I loved it. That's all. Yeah, I don't again not a whole lot to talk about here. I feel like it'd be a cool one to recommend just to go read, just to kind of get the vibe of reading through this comic, which is is slightly different tone, kind of consistency throughout uh than what we're typically reading through these main mo- like this was this was also very tie-in for me. Uh, because this isn't kind of you don't usually have the Thunderbolts or Deadpool leading the driving action of the story for these crossover events. So kind of seeing their their play throughout all of this was very cool as well. Very much its own story, its own adaptation, not usually directly involved. Uh, but to see these other teams, kind of see the wider Marvel Universe and comics at play is, is always cool. Uh, seeing different writing styles and different art styles. Holy cow, let me... I, I, I'm going to say something. I don't know if it rang a bell to, to you guys. I have a screenshot if it didn't. There was, in the Dark Avengers, a panel where basically it cut from the art style that I'm used to to what looked like it was like an attempted CGI, like 3D. Like It was like a panel from a video game where everything looked completely 3D. And I was like, what just happened? I was like, oh, okay, they switched artists halfway through. The rest of the story is going to look like this. And then it was right back to normal. <laughs> I know the exact moment, and it was a close-up on a girl's face. I forget who it was. It was Moonstone as Miss Marvel. Yeah, there you go. So I knew the exact moment, because I thought the same thing. I was like, that's an interesting artistic approach. I do remember seeing that. I don't remember why it was so different. Did Was it like a flashback or, or something? No, it was like directly in the middle of the battle of her, and well, them as a team, fighting the Red Hood. And it's just like a swift punch to the face and then a couple gunshots. And but it's just like literally looks completely different than the rest of the comic and every other comic that we read. It was that one panel. I've I never seen anything like that. I could be wrong, but I think this could be linked to like a different um 
Marvel comic run, like this Ms. Marvel comic run, because that art style does seem very similar to one that I remember from a Ms. Marvel story from the Secret Invasion story. So this could just be like, you know, this is an Avengers run where all these characters tend to have their own comic books going on. And we get this one page where we're getting basically Ms. Marvel or Moonstone's thoughts. So for that portion of this comic, they revert to, you know, the the art style of her comic book. I, I don't know that that's true, but that could be the case. One other awesome panel that I have screenshot referencing the art style um, that we didn't talk about because it's not relevant to the story whatsoever. But as Norman Osborn kind of throws that device or medication or whatever he throws in Gargan's mouth as he's this huge monster venom to make him take the shape of Spider-Man in a human form, um, as soon as he dons kind of like that black suit approach, he hits that same classic kind of like jazz hands pose from Secret War uh, where he gets the black suit for the very first time. And I thought that that was... So cool. Uh, so I have that screenshotted. Um, I don't know, again, if you guys caught that same reference, but I was like, this is another throwback. Marvel loves to reference itself in, in past comics, and that was a really cool kind of way for the artist to do that. Yes, that was pretty cool. And talk about, gosh, the, the Venom Spider-Man pill, like, this is what I like to refer to as convenient science mumbo-jumbo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Like, what the hell is this pill that Norman has suddenly developed that will allow Venom to just look like Spider-Man? Oh, you mean Norman Osborn uh, just happening to figure out the cure for cancer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't, <laughs> Did we we just didn't, over that didn't too? even talk about that in the Deadpool run. Yeah, Deadpool has, you know, this cancer that's intricately linked with his superpowers that kind of, you know, he needs the cancer in order to uh, to live at this point. Otherwise, these powers would basically, like, eat him and, and take over and, like it would be uncontrollable. Um, and, and he's like, yeah, to, to kill Deadpool, we're just going to take away his cancer. And everyone's like, wait a minute, you cured cancer? Is this reference? Well, because again, there's so much too, where like, um, as he's first taking over the, what was shield and now becomes hammer. Um, he, she's like, okay, we're getting rid of everything. Tony, what are you going to do now? He's like, we're going to use all of my designs. We're going to push them through 100%. And she's like, your designs? He's like, yeah, I'm a little bit of a designer and a, uh engineer myself. And I mean, Norman Osborn's note, like he's no joke when it comes to mines. Is he on that top eight? I would highly doubt it. I, I don't have the list in front of me, but I do know for a fact uh, Moon Girl is on there. Mm. Moon Girl's pretty dope. She's she's <laughs> very very cool. Does she exist in Marvel Comics at this time? She does not. Correct. She's very new. I think she is part of that like relatively recently like, post twenty ten when we got like Ms. Marvel and and Miles Morales. I, I think Moon Girl's a part of that kind of like yeah because she's also like eight years old and we're reading like early two thousand. Well, yeah. So I don't think she even was born yet. Well, again, Bo, it goes back to the messy timeline that is Marvel Comics. Well, peek behind the curtain. Brady and I were just talking about the shifting timeline that Marvel has, where uh, basically where we are in the comics is about 15 years from Fantastic Four number one. 
so while 50, 60 years have passed since that issue came out, only 15 years have passed for these Marvel characters. But, you know, they just kind of shove that aside, the fact that, like, all this time's passing, but not actually passing. <laughs> so for our fans at home, obviously it would be stupid to not reference this list directly since this is our third time bringing it up. So I have for you the top 10 smartest people in the Marvel Comics universe. Uh, any guess, I'm not going to have you guess all of them, but any guess at who comes in at uh, number 10? Number, number 10. Or actually, you know what? No, each of you give me a name that we haven't discussed here already today. Do you think is also on this list? Tony Stark. Well, Reed Richards uh, has to be on there. Those were great guesses. Those are great guesses. Yeah, it throws me back to where, like, kind of uh, Hank Pym um, and then Reed Richards and Tony Stark are sitting in that room, just kind of battle of the minds during that secret invasion. Again, one of them was a scroll, but. Um, yeah, so number 10, Peter Parker. Wow. The man, the man himself. I mean, we know that he's no no joke when it comes to mind, but he is he's in the list of the top 10. I mean, Coming our guy developed web, web technology in two panels, so makes yeah. sense. True, yeah, true. Peter Parker, quite, quite the guy. Um, and that was just the start for him. Number nine is Henry McCoy, or Hank McCoy. Um, those that are not familiar with that name, that is the Beast of X-Men. That one also makes sense. We know that in, even in the MCU, he's constantly putting on his glasses that make him look and uh, actually a hundred times smarter than he was in Beast form. So it makes sense. Um, fun fact, in the current X-Men run, Hank McCoy's actually like the big bad. Like the beast is like one of the ultimate villains of the X-Men universe right now. So he's no longer cute and fluffy. He is mean and fluffy. Big mean guy. Um, number eight, I think we've already referenced. Joey, guess. Amadeus Cho. Yeah, he references himself as the eighth smartest. Number eight is Amadeus Cho. Another fun fact about him, uh, Amadeus Cho becomes a Hulk. Um, have you guys ever read a comic where he kind of takes on his Hulk form? Negative. I've never read yeah. one, but I did know he did become a Hulk form of some kind. Yeah, he's actually part of the champions. Um, this isn't in here, so I'm not reading anything like completely factual just from my past. He takes on a Hulk form with kind of like the same mutation, but like is just completely in control. He sports a faux hawk the entire time. Very, very smart dude. Uh, I believe he, for a while he actually goes by the totally awesome Hulk. And um, then takes on the mantle of Braun is his name. Um, but yeah, pretty cool. He's on that champions team led by Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, Young Nova, Young Vision. Very, very cool team. Um, again, kind of a direction we see Marvel and the MCU going right now. Number seven, uh, just a little bit ahead of him, but kind of working on that same Mighty Avengers team is Hank Pym, Ant-Man. Again, we know that the mind of uh, Ant-Man is no joke. Any surprises there? Nope. Nope. And I, I believe we did get that referenced in this in this comic that Hank Pym just barely edged out Amadeus Cho. That's why he's eight and Hank's seven. Um, another big green guy, but most likely not in big green form, a mind above, uh, Hank Pym. Number six on the list is Bruce Banner. Somebody we haven't seen a, a ton of, um, but again, in that, that mighty Avengers team just had so much brains on it. I think it's a hot take to say that Bruce Banner is smarter than Pym, Hank Pym, but 
Because I think I think that's a hot take. Well, I think it's because honestly, in comics, uh, we don't get so much Bruce when we're reading, especially these big crossover events. We get mostly Hulk because that's who's needed in the moment. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Bruce, there's there's no. He's just kind of got the 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 brains behind the bronze, and obviously, I think one of the smartest people in probably MCU is working in the background as in the current state is Bruce Banner. Uh, Tony Stark even says that he's a fan of his work, and uh, we haven't really seen Reed Richards in the MCU yet, and uh, we didn't get a ton of Hank Pym either. We got mostly Scott Lang, uh, so he's one of the big minds, kind of in, in what we're familiar with in, in live action as well, too. Uh, kind of keeping on trend with that, uh, right above him is uh, Tony Stark. So probably lower than I thought he was going to be, coming in at number five. I what are you guys' thoughts our, about that? I thought our top three was going to be Reed, Tony, and Moon Girl. I, I'm surprised he was five. I'm, I'm interested to see who else is on this list then. There's a couple names on here. One that I don't know if you guys are familiar with, but I'm very excited about. Uh, number four. Uh, we didn't mention him yet, but you can't not mention him. It's Victor Von Doom. I figured Doom would be up here. A little um, bit of a yeah. cheat to include both him and Reed Richards. Um, I believe they are the same person. Or is he Franklin? Uh, the Doom, the Doom storyline and timeline is confusing. Wait, what? You're saying Reed Richards and Doom are the same person? Yes, I believe so, that there's, like, this connection between Doom being, like, a descendant of Reed Richards or, like, a, a Reed Richards from another timeline or, or something along those lines. Doom uh, messes I, with time a little too much. <laughs> I like it where they basically went to college together and they were rivals of the minds. That's my favorite past version of them. Um, I, I I was also uh, caught off guard when he said that, Bo. <laughs> I was like, wait. Following Victor Von Doom, we've got our top three. Um, kind of staying within that bloodline, we have yet another Richards. I don't know if you guys are very familiar with her. Valeria Richards. She is uh, quite, quite the prodigy. Uh, I mean, she's even in all of this one kind of that just does not have the power that her family does, but her power is um, her mind and her intelligence. And we um, did see, I think in the Mighty Avengers that we just read, there was a panel where they're like, oh yeah, Valeria just like created this new form of um, canine AI technology. And she's like playing with a robot dog. And they're like, wait, you're, isn't she like two? Yeah, she is extremely smart. Um, the, the kids of Valeria and Franklin are are no joke um and pretty cool additions to the family aspect that is the fantastic four i read not read i when i first was getting into audiobooks i listened to um kind of that future apocalyptic war version of uh the avengers where the only avengers left are star lord and um basically um all the all the heroes have died and the remaining people are hawkeye star lord Black Widow and Wolverine. It is a very, very cool story. The kind of Doom and the rest of the villains have taken over all of the world. And one of the leading people in that is Valeria Richards. She was one of the people that were spared as the rest of the Fantastic Four was absolutely killed because they were going out and killing people with powers. 
and uh, her rise to kind of show her incredible intelligence was was very very cool. She's an adult throughout all of that. She actually ends up being invincible as well too. Like she is immortal and cannot die, um, which I don't know is if that's from the comics or was directly just canon for this. Um, but it was it was pretty cool. But yeah, very very smart person. Number two is Lunella Lafayette, uh, aka the girl with the big old red dinosaur Moon Girl herself. Moon Girl is awesome, and I gotta say, I was so disappointed that that show came out as like a cartoon for three-year-old children. Um, I thought it'd be like a cool little story, but it's just like a very young child's cartoon show. Um, but yeah, I don't know if any of you guys watched any of that Moon Girl show. Yeah, I think the uh, comic itself was very targeted for kids when she first came out as well, too. Very kind of like Miss Marvel-esque. But even, yeah, we didn't get a Miss Marvel-style uh, Disney+. Plus. We got kind of like a like a Teen Titans Go-looking cartoon style. Um which, yeah, I, I haven't watched, my kids haven't watched, but I've seen, like, previews and stuff for it. A um, lot, of, lot of high action going on with that that really didn't kind of draw my interest. But as far as the character goes, her involvement, like, um, I remember reading her in the 2015 Secret Wars, uh, which is just, her, I mean, her, like, latent, uh, like, kind of inhuman abilities um, and her ability to, like, link her consciousness with the devil dinosaur, who's just a cool character in himself uh very very cool but yeah no no joke about her intelligence there number one the one person we haven't talked about yet but we have talked about just haven't listed in uh reed richards the the smartest man in the marvel universe any any uh, upset opinions about that the only reason i'm upset is that mcu hasn't done him justice that is all because i i do agree with it from a comic standpoint for sure. He is definitely the smartest person and he knows it too. I mean, he's got a bit of an ego. We've, we've talked in the past about the fact that he named himself Mr. Fantastic. Um, but even again, in this mighty Avengers run, I think I sent you guys the screenshot as I read this part of the comic, but we get Henry Pym asking Reed Richards for this device that he needs to basically save the group of Avengers lives. Uh, and Reed's like, no, Hank, I'm not giving you this. Um, you're unstable. And and Hank's like, this is based on Tim particles. This is my discovery. And Reed goes, yeah, it might have been your discovery, but I know more about them than you. And then we get the the Hank Pym going, you know what? It's on, bitch. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, that was uh, not a segment that I plan on including, but I'm glad that we did. Some honorable mentions going back to the top 15 um, include Otto Octavius, um, or obviously Doc Ock. Uh, Shuri is on this list as well, too. Uh, Shuri being the younger sister of Black Panther, soon to be the Black Panther herself. Um, the leader is on here, a pretty big Hulk villain with a big old cranium. Um, also on here is, I just scrolled past it, uh, the High Evolutionary. Um, you had a very, uh, very cool mind there. Um, and uh, creator of Adam Warlock, yeah. Um, from a very, very cool villain in that new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I really, really enjoyed that as well. So, um, we've gone a little bit off topic here. <laughs> we, um, we should probably get back into our main, main stories and and come up or with if our... we talked about everything. 
Have we talked I mean, about everything just enough? We have talked about everything except how are we ranking Dark Rain? How are we gonna slate this into the zero to one or zero to ten scale? This and is gonna be a hard one because uh, I feel like as a whole. I would rank it differently than I would rank some of... I feel like some of these stories bring down the overall ranking for me if we are including all four that we read. Or all five, really. Yeah, it is un- unfortunate, but I, I think we're going to have to include this all together and, and give this a ranking as a, a Dark Rain... I, I guess we could call it an event. I would, I would just call it the Dark Rain timeline, maybe. It's a couple different things happening at the same time, but um, yeah, I, I think we just got to rate everything that we read collectively. Brady, why don't you go ahead and kick it off for us? So I have said I am a big fan of this uh, this series. I will say, though, I think other series that we've read do a good job of coming to a conclusion. And I feel like this leaves a little more to want, right? And I think that's because it's setting up for whatever's coming next. Um I want to see Norman Osborn snap. I want to see the Avengers come back to power. I want to see all this stuff that I'm sure will probably happen in one way or another, or something will happen with it, but it hasn't happened yet. That being said, I truly did like reading it. I liked the the Deadpool tie-ins. I loved the the witty comments. So I'm going to give this a solid eight and a half. Can I respect that? Eight, eight and a half is a good ranking. We know that Brady's ratings are just completely inconsistent so he doesn't remember what he has said in previous weeks he's completely going off of how he feels in the moment he will not remember that score next week when we ask him about it um on the other hand joey is probably looking at a spreadsheet of all of his past rankings um with some form of algorithm that he put together for his so joey how would you rank this storyline i think that this was enjoyable i thought it was a lot of fun it was cool to get you know, bounce around between these different stories that are all going on, you know, in, in the wake of the secret invasion. And, and we see them cross over a little bit, but also, you know, get three or four separate stories, which was kind of cool to, to read all at once. But um, to, to your guys' point, you know, it doesn't necessarily wrap up in some clean fashion like we get with the actual, you know, events that have their own title going along with it. It is a lot of just, here's this situation that you guys learned about at the end of the last event, and this is what's going on during that situation. Um, it's not necessarily one cohesive story, but it was fun. And I, I think this was one of my lesser favorites um, in terms of what we've read previously. I'm not going to give it quite as high of a ranking as Brady. I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. Uh, I feel like this happened before, and I, I don't like it, but I still kind of love it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this a 7.75. Just not quite an 8, but it's it's almost there for me. Again, the reasons being I loved the art style of a lot of this. I loved the writing of a lot of this. Um, some stories were lesser than uh, others for me. I feel like in order of kind of like least favorite to favorite, I'd probably go uh, Mighty Avengers, then the Thunderbolts, uh, Deadpool tie-in, uh, Dark Avengers, and then New Avengers. That was kind of my my top four there and the order or enjoyment of reading them in the way that I did. Um, 
But I think overall, yeah, this wasn't really an event. This is more of like an umbrella or a banner going on in the Marvel Universe. A lot of kind of just kind of what happened from Secret Invasion and tie-ins to what will happen next. Um, there were four kind of like separate battles or events that happened here and probably way more all under that dark rain umbrella. So if we were to, we kind of chose this reading order just based off of preference, but we really could have read anything under this umbrella. I probably got a, could have got a whole different effect with very slight tie-ins of what's going on. And kind of essentially this is a tie up and a shift of power. This is showing you what's going to happen. We've lost the big three in Marvel. We've lost our big heroes. Uh, where there is no Thor, uh, Iron Man is is not Iron Man. Uh, Captain America is freaking dead. Um, so it's what what happens? Who rises to power? I think that's why there's so many different um, Avengers teams too, because truly the Avengers that we are seeking for, what the Avengers need, none of these are really truly meeting that, um, which is it's sad, but it's showing what's happening, which is why Dark is reigning. And these dark powers are building and they're capitalizing on this. But from the street level of the hood and his bad guys to Nor Norman, Os Norman Osborn being kind of the what he called himself the flavor of the month. But he is the, the man on top, um, as referenced by everybody else. He is the leader, uh, kind of capitalized on that split moment in time. And he's taking over all of this. The cabal is building in the background and all these powers are, are rising um, into what will soon become. I believe Siege is kind of the closing window of this whole factor, which is in itself a, a closed event with a lot of tie-ins as well, too. Um, so we will be moving over to Siege here soon with our next reading order. Um, but yeah, I 7.75, I think is what I said. <laughs> I'm already forgetting. Um, but that's how I would rank kind of what we read here today. Um, if it would have just been kind of ranking new Avengers or even just new Avengers and dark Avengers, I probably would have come in a little higher. Yeah. All right. So 7.75 is Bo's ranking and favorite characters. Um, let's start with Bo. You, you ended the last one. You can go first on this one. Go ahead and give us your favorite character from all four of these stories. If you had to pick one. Okay, I apologize if I had a bad service spot here. I am currently mobile. My favorite character, I'll try to keep this short and sweet, um, of all of this, I'm going to go with leading the action and not necessarily um, comedic side of things, because I could very easily pick Spider-Man. I could very easily pick uh, Gorgon Venom. I, I loved both of them a lot. Um, I really, really love the Sentry from this run. And I'm just walking you guys through my process of elimination here. Um, but he didn't have the involvement necessarily that I wanted to. He disappears a lot to kind of deal with his stuff, which he's entitled to that. My favorite character for this, it might, might even be a repeating theme through a lot of this, is uh, I just love this new version of Clint Barton. Um, him as Ronan is just awesome. It's cutthroat. Um, he's ready to do whatever it takes. He went to the media when he needed to. He was willing to kill everybody afterwards when that didn't work. Um, they basically vote him as the leader of this new Avengers team because of his Avengers experience. And, and he kind of just isn't super... He, he wasn't the first to hop up and do that, but he was accepting of those terms and conditions if everybody else was cool with it too. 
Uh, he's just kind of like that grounded factor. I think in a lot of this, he speaks for kind of what the reader's thinking. Um, and he's kind of like that voice of reason during this time of war. So uh, just based off of a cool factor and my love of the guy, I'm going to go with Ronan. Which, fun fact, I don't know if it was a fun fact for anybody else. It was a very fun fact for me. I did not know as he's going through his history. Obviously, uh, the clapback of Norman Osborne was like, yeah, you're kind of a criminal too. And you had your chance to redeem yourself. And now you're kind of poo-pooing on others doing the same. Uh, so, yeah, he had that criminal background when he first joined the Avengers and the Caps Kooky Quartet. Uh, I did not know that he had a run as Goliath. Does anybody know anything about that? Aware of that, but I, I don't know too much about it. Because it showed a panel of big old Clint in a Goliath costume with essentially, I'm assuming, what were pin particles. I think everybody that's been a Goliath or an Ant-Man or a Stature has used pin particles as the tech. That's the only thing I know that does that. Um, but I'm assuming probably it's when Giant Man left, he became Goliath. But I don't know if he was the first Goliath or... The I other think Goliath he may that... have been the first Goliath, honestly. I could be wrong about that, but I, I'm fairly certain that that's right. I'm going to have to do some more research on that because I think that's cool. Um, I pro- Obviously, that got written out pretty quickly. Uh, but, yeah, Clint's just cool in all in all forms. He's he's getting close to, to Hank Pym with the amount of times that he changes his name <laughs> now that he has that Goliath too, but uh, not, not quite there. He's still in the cool range. But favoritism shining through as he picks Clint Barton for like the sixth time throughout this podcast. A um, little bit of a controversial pick this week. I mean, I, I will say Clint, Clint's a little rash and, and quick to action this week. Uh, and, and everybody else is not super thrilled with him about it. But not, not, a, not a bad choice. Brady, where are you going with your character? <sighs> I really wish Bo would have made this easy for me. But he did not. Because it is up between two people for me, and I will, I'll, I will, I'll throw out my honorable mentions that I don't think Joey will go for. I love, absolutely love, Brother Voodoo. I would, I want to hear more about him. I want to to find out some interesting things. Um, but I also really want to, uh, to I really want to call out the low hanging fruit and say, Deadpool was amazing. Deadpool was amazing. I love it. I loved. I loved getting into it. I loved hearing it. But I, I feel like that would be too bait. Um, and then, like, like, like I've said, I did like the 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 wittiness that Bo talked about with Venom and with uh, Eric O'Grady and all this fun. But I'm gonna stick to what I've been doing, and and go with the uh, go with the villain that actually is the interesting character development of how it's going to roll and how it's going to go. I'm going to pick Norman Osborn again as my favorite character. It was such an, it's such an interesting thing that they're building um, with him. He's this mastermind that is just coming up with all of this, all these evil schemes. He's manipulating not only the Thunderbolts or not only the, uh, the council, what I don't forget what they call themselves, but they they mentioned it a couple times. The Cabral is what they call themselves. It's not thinks he's manipulating the entire Cabral, and he's uh, still fighting this internal battle with the Green Goblin. It's going to be such a cool conclusion when it does get here, and I cannot cannot wait. So as much as I would love to pick Deadpool and the low hanging fruit because I did finally love getting some episodes in, I do think the most interesting one for me is Norman Osborn. Uh, 
back-to-back weeks with Norman Osborn as your favorite character. I am going to go ahead and throw this one out. Brady's a scroll. Um, <laughs> or Brady's Not only that, yeah, Norman I, Norman's mind games are working on Brady as well, too. He's swaying in just like the public. It's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, good choices. And it frees me up to take who I absolutely wanted to take as soon as I started reading the new Avengers runs. Uh, I'm taking Spider-Man. I haven't done it in a while. I don't know if I've actually taken Spider-Man as my favorite character of the week on this podcast, but I, I am going to do it. Uh, the guy was just hilarious. It's nonstop cracking jokes, nonstop riffing on, on everything going on. Uh, I screenshotted probably 12 pages throughout reading, and six of them are Spidey jokes. Uh, you know, one of them is, is Spider-Man joke about Wolverine having sex when they learn that Wolverine has a son. Um, one of them is is his you know, internal monologue of like, man, why did I refuse to join the Avengers back when they were cool, and now I decided to do it, and we're we're in you know Bucky Cap's apartment. Um, and then there's the whole run about like, guys, we shouldn't be stealing. This is this, even if we're stealing from Norman Osborn, it's still stealing, and that's bad. Uh, and then perhaps my my favorite is the scene of of Spider Man and Luke Cage in the plane right after they learned that Jessica Jones had that you know, crush and was in love with Peter Parker, uh, where he's like, dude, Luke, like, I, I totally didn't know. I, I definitely like respect the, the sanctity of marriage. And, um, but like, uh, you and you and Iron Fist broke up, right? Cause I'd, I'd like to take a shot at that action. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> Luke's like, Clint land the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Spider-Man just hilarious throughout this run, um, and and also you know has some internal demons that he has to struggle with as he decides. You know, do we go back and, and reveal my identity? Can I trust this group of new Avengers? And um, you know, I, much like Spidey says, with basically a look to camera, um, I'm sure that's going to bite him in the butt in some at some point in the future. That's a solid choice, yeah. New Avengers Spidey's been one of my favorite Spideys so far. Uh, the the quips are just on point, and like the action does not suffer because of it. He's just he's just Spider Man. He's just so cool. Solid pick. I'm glad you picked him. Uh, yeah, that Iron Man line was absolutely hilarious. I had that screenshot as well too. Like, literally, whenever the room is is full and Spider Man is in it, he is just causing uncomfortability uh through humor at all points. And I think that is so funny. My quick shout outs to to Luke Cage and, and Jessica Jones. They were also in the running for my favorite character, mainly because of that, you know, crush reveal um and, and just some of the fallout there. But you know, Jessica Jones comes out and says like you know Spider Man like Luke Luke might be a little bit jealous, but like you're actually like his hero. And like we learned that Luke Cage actually like really looks up to Spider-Man, which is kind of cool. Well, fellas, any uh, any last words on, on Dark Rain before we move on into Siege? I have no words. I think this was, uh, we added a lot of reading to this one. So this was definitely a heavier volume than what we've been doing, except for Joey, who likes to read 200 comics at a time. Um, so I think we're going to go back to a little bit of a lesser pace here with this next one. Siege is very quick. I think it's literally only four books in the main line. So 
but we might have to discuss and throw in some tie-ins that we're interested in as well, too. I know that both New Avengers and Dark Avengers, I believe Mighty Avengers do, too, tie into Siege and have their own storyline through Siege as well, too. So I personally might be interested in reading some of those. I hope that whoever's listening to this out there is also picking up on some of the readings as well, too, throwing in some tie-ins that they're personally interested in um, and not just... Because this is not the best of a recap. Uh, podcast. This is very much more a reaction podcast, so I think it you get a lot more out of it if you're reading along as well too. Um, at least that I've noticed that as well too in some of the playback and feedback that I've gotten. So grab your Marvel Universe subscription. Uh, play it month by month if you want to. They're doing some great deals every now and then, but um, I think all of us read our comics digitally. Just It's great having that full selection at your fingertips at a reasonable price. Uh, Use Comics Over Coffee as your uh, promo code, uh, Comics Over Coffee 23. And so, <laughs> that's not a thing. Don't try that. You'll get a frowny face. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Dang, eventually. Maybe next time. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, the, the Marvel Unlimited, like I said, not a sponsor, but like Bo said, e- quick, easy, affordable access to comics. If you are trying to hunt down these comics in physical print, these are going to run you three, four bucks an issue at least. Uh, so just this run alone probably would have cost you $60 to go out and, and purchase these physical copies if you're able to find them, which is is tough. Um, but Marvel Unlimited, 60 bucks pays you pays for a year of, of a subscription so you know get in there read all the comics you want and if, if you read more than like 10 issues of comics throughout the year it's pretty much paying for itself but again not a sponsor right well brady any last words from you and if if not you want to send us home last words are go enjoy the reading it was a lot of fun look forward to the next thing and as always signing off Have a great week, and we'll catch you next week. See ya. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Comics Over Coffee. Please be sure to join in again next Saturday morning for another exciting episode. If you have questions for the host or would like to be featured on an episode, please write in to comicsovercoffeepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to my fellow co-hosts, Bo and Brady, and a very special shout-out to our artist, Emily Rich. I really want to talk about the comics. So, can I? I I grab a grande iced caramel macchiato. Anything else for you? That's going to be it today. Thank you.